morning. Good to see you guys. Hey, we're going to continue our series, Love Walk Among Us. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. We're looking at verses 36 to 50 this morning. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and keep it raised high, and our ushers will walk down the aisle and get you a copy of God's Word. If you own one but you forgot it, uh, go ahead and take one so that you can have a, uh, we want you to have a Bible in your hand to follow along with us. And if you don't own one, go ahead and keep the one that we are handing out. It is our gift to you so that you can grow in an understanding and a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have the Bible that we're handing out, we're going to be on page 504 is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, as you turn there, just a quick recap. We started this series three weeks ago, and so I believe yeah, this is our fourth week in this series. And we've been looking at the life of Christ primarily in how he loved. What we said we wanted to do was slow down for a minute, begin to look at Jesus' life through the Gospels, and show how he loved people that we may receive that love. And upon receiving that love through God's grace, that we'd be able to reciprocate, mimic, image that love to the men and women around us in community. And so week one, we looked at how Jesus, um, he moves towards this woman who has, she's a widow and she's lost her son. And in love and compassion for her, raised her son from the dead. And then week two, we talked about a man who was blind and then God gave him sight. Not just physical sight, but he gave him spiritual sight to be able to see what God um, was and is doing. And then today we have a story um, where there's going to be three characters in this story. Um, one's going to be Jesus, um, just so you know. Um, every story that we're talking about, Jesus is going to be featured. Um, number two is going to be a, a man named Simon who's a Pharisee, and then a woman who does not have a name, but she's known as the woman of the city. And what many people believe is the reason why she's not given a name by Luke, the guy who writes this, is because he doesn't want her to be identified with her past sins. Um, this story is, has a similar story in the Gospels that's with Mary. This is not the same story that you read about with Mary. This is an isolated story that's not in the other Gospels, um, only in the Gospel of Luke. And so, again, our purpose of this is to zero in and look at the love of Christ. And so we said before, it's not so much about the head as it is about the heart. It's not so much about our aptitude or our ability, but about our affections rooted in Christ in such a way that we, as men and women who follow Jesus, where we have an opportunity in God's grace and the Spirit to be able to show that same love. And so it's a great series for us that are Christians to deepen our relationship with Christ and then for those who are here who have never believed in Jesus to hear more about what he's like and what he's up to in the world and uh, prayerfully in your life as well. And so we understandably would like for you who do not know Jesus to believe in Jesus. That's not like a, like, that's not a, like, hopefully it's not a surprise to you. Um, that's something that we desperately want as the Lord reveals himself, not by any encouragement or rebuke from God. So let's pray. Let's ask God by the Spirit to be able to open up his text that we may be able to understand what it is that Jesus is doing and saying, and then that we be able to live it out in our own lives. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for the amazing grace that you have given us, the undeserved gift of knowing you and being known by you, to be able to love you because we've been loved by you, to be able to see the work of your son Jesus is not an abstract event that happened within human history, but that which changes and shapes the life of the world. God, help us to follow Jesus as the risen Savior who sits on the throne, who reigns, who's an advocate for us. Help us to see what you were like through him, through the scriptures, and experience his life and love through the power of the Spirit. So God, I pray that I would be able to step back for this moment as you, as you do by your Spirit and exalt the name and fame and the purpose of Christ that you would shape us, a people, us as a people after who he is, God. I ask that you would today, even in our bodies, uh, that you would do in us what we wouldn't think, imagine, or even ask according to the grace that has been given to us in and through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, and in his name we pray. Amen. 
So a couple years ago, my wife and I were traveling to New York City. Now, on this flight to New York City, uh, we were watching a movie, and the movie that we were watching was Get Out. Uh, and so we're watching this movie. So here's the thing. We get to New York City. Um, it's, it's late, probably like 12 o'clock at night um, on, a, on a Friday, and the train that we took took us to Brooklyn, and we had to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And where we were at, we had to walk through this neighborhood in Brooklyn. And don't think gentrified Brooklyn. Think, like, notorious B.I.G. Brooklyn, right? And, and so it's me and Holly and all of these people, and Holly leans to me, and she goes, this is kind of like the reverse of Get Out, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this is how it's like. This is the way the world is. Um, so anyway, so we, we start, we get into the subway, and we look like people who shouldn't be there on a Friday night at 12 o'clock because we got this luggage that we're just pulling around. So we're in the subway, and I'm hiked. My, you know, I people see people looking at us and whatnot, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, my eyes are open. And I see this dude, and he's like, my man, my man. And usually when someone's like, my man, my man, that's not your man, right? And, and, it, and, and he's moving towards me like he's going to ask me for something. He wants something. The context, again, it's late night, Friday. We're in the subway, and I'm thinking, okay, like, this dude's going to try to get a hood with me, so I got to get extra hood with him. And so I was like, what's up, bro? He's like, what's up? I'm like, what's up? And we're just kind of going back and forth, and he's like, man, what you guys up to? And I'm, and I'm like, all right, am I going to have to lay hands on this man in a non-biblical way? And so... And he says, like, where are you going? And I'm like, Tribeca, right? Because when you try to get hood with somebody, you, you have to really pronunciate the B. So it's Tribeca, right? Um, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you guys know you're on the wrong side. Of, you guys look like you're lost. You're on the wrong side of the subway. You're going to get on a train that's going to go that way as opposed to the way you're supposed to go. I'm like, oh, thanks, sir. Right? And so, right? <laughs> and, all right, so here's, here's the point, right? I, given the context of this neighborhood, given the context of me, and, and my wife, who, by the way, had just seen Get Out, uh, and, and in the context of being in the subway, in the context of my man yelling, my man, judge, he wants something from me, I got to get my guards up. Well, really, he looked at us and thought, they're not from here, they're probably going the wrong way, they're headed towards East New York, that ain't good, right? And so, <laughs> in this story that we're about to read, Jesus is encountering this woman. Actually, the woman is encountering Jesus. And in doing so, Jesus is trying to get this Pharisee, Pharisee whose name is Simon, to be able to look at this woman, not in the context or his particular worldview, but through the lens that you can only see through the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. And it's very uncomfortable for Simon, and it should be uncomfortable for us. And so part of the way of narrating this is to give you guys the context so we can see why it would have been uncomfortable for him. Because oftentimes, Pharisees get a bad rap, mainly because they're usually trying to confront Jesus, but that's not where Simon is at. And in doing so, we'd be able to the opportunity to see what this woman has that, for, that we can be able to have in order to understand and know the love of Jesus Christ. So if you're with me in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 34. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Okay, so here's the context here is you have Simon, who's the Pharisee, that's his name. So Simon invites Jesus to his house. Jesus, what are you doing on Thursday night? You want to come to the crib? You want to eat? You want to go to Taco? Whatever, okay? So Jesus says, yes, I'll come over. So they're, in that day, 
normal Hebrew, Hebrew culture was you would sit at high tables, and in the Roman Greco culture is you would sit at a low table and then you climb. Um, Jewish customs began to adopt or adapt to the culture of the Roman Greco world. So they would recline um, around a table. So think of a table like a horseshoe. And then when the, when the men would recline here, they would, they would lay down with their feet like, like out this way. So they're, they're just kind of like just, you know, talking and lounging and so forth. And these particular dinner, dinner parties would start first with a few like discussions and then they would eat. And the goal would be to stay after and whoever was a respected guest that you would get into a dialogue or debate and so forth. So the respected guest in this particular moment is Jesus. Um, in this setting, it would have probably been men. Women would have not have been allowed to be a part of it. Um, what makes this scene so unique is that all of this is happening with religious leaders and Pharisees. And then you have Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, the door would have been open. And this woman who is referred to not by her name, but a woman of the city um, who is a sinner. Now, woman of the city meant that her vocation was that was a prostitute. Um, don't think Julia Roberts, right? Um, she, that's her vocation. That is the life in which she lives. That's how she, quote, unquote, make her money. And so you have that particular scene. She, as a woman, would have been invited and definitely not, like, her particular profession, vocation, and so forth. So that, that's the scene that we have. And so she hears, it says she learned that Jesus was here. Because you know what? Just like their day I day, um, people talk, right? And people talk. And you always, I mean, especially for Jesus, I mean, everybody knew, all the paparazzi knew where Jesus was going, right? Um, it's like this. Think of it this way. If you are a single person here, and let's just say there was a romantic interest that you had. And let's say you normally go to the 9 o'clock service, but then you found out that this particular romantic interest goes to the 11 o'clock service. You might find yourself waking up in the morning going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe. I guess I can't make the 9 o'clock, slept in. I'm going to show up to the 11 o'clock. Where he at, where she at, right? <laughs> where you be at. So there, so. You would do that. You would go, oh, someone that I'm interested in is there. I'm going to be there. Okay. Or if you found out that there was somebody famous that you wanted to meet or see was in a particular place, you would go to. My first month in college, there was this girl that worked in the dorm. She worked at P.F. Chang's. I had never been to P.F. Chang's. She called us. She goes, you won't believe this. We just found out that Michael Jordan is making a reservation. He's going to be here. Um, and you guys have put in a to-go order or something and show up, and then you guys can meet Michael Jordan. And I'm like, I'm trying to meet Michael Jordan, right? I got to know him. I bought his shoes. I got a shirt. Like, so we get up there and we get, like, get our to-go order. They have the whole area where he's at. It's blocked off. You can't even, you can't even go there. But you can see him. And I'm like, Mike, I got your shoes. Right? You know, so like, <laughs> but there's a sense of going, I want to be where he's at. Now, we don't know if this woman's ever met Jesus. I, I happen to think that she has, and I'll talk about that in a second. What we do know is, or we can infer, is that she knows about Jesus. The fact that this scene takes place in the city of Nain, which is the same city where Jesus rose, uh, took the woman who had, whose son had died and brought him back to life. This happened there. And what I said in week one, because I know you guys remember everything that I say, um, in week one is that everybody in the city would have had been required to go to the funeral. So chances is, even though this woman is a woman of the city and a sinner and an outcast and would be in a category of what we would deem as poor in Luke's gospel, um, that she would have been there. So she would have probably been there as the women were weeping and as the widow was weeping. She would have been there as Jesus showed up, made eye contact with this woman, loved her, cared for her, and raised her son from death and would have seen this, would have heard about Jesus being the Messiah. So she knew something about Jesus. This is not some mystical or magical um, rabbit foot. She believes, I think, that he is the Lord of all of creation. 
And because he is who he is and she believes that he is, she shows up and breaks all sorts of cultural norms because that's what happens when you truly worship. When there is someone or something that you're willing to give your life to, especially when it comes to the gospel because he's willing to give his life for you, you break all sorts of cultural norms. She's not supposed to be there. She could care less. She comes in there and, and sees Jesus and she begins to weep. Like her tears. Now, Jesus is here reclining, right? He's, his feet are, are hanging out. She goes to his feet. She weeps. My assumption is on her knees. As she's weeping, she takes the tears, and she begins to wash his feet. Now, in that particular day, people didn't take showers and baths as much as we do or should. Um, and so... There were scents and odors and so forth, and especially people's feet because they wore sandals. They were called the Air Jesuses. And they wore these sandals. They wore these sandals. <laughs> I'm going to stay right in that lane. They wore these sandals, and they would walk on, uh, you know, dirt grounds, mud, and so forth, and they had dirty feet. And um, women would actually carry a glass of alabaster, an alabaster flask with ointment in it, like perfume, that if they wanted to have a fresher smell, they would have that on them, they would break that glass, and they could put on the big, they could smell the food, she takes that expensive flask, she breaks it, and then she pours it on his, on Jesus' feet, she anoints his feet, what she's saying is, everything that I have, I'm going to give you to anoint, right, like everything I have, I'm going to give to you, because of who you are. So that, that's the first character in the scene is the woman who is a woman of the city who is a sinner. And everybody knows her. Can you imagine? What if everybody knew you were a sinner? Right? Like everybody knows her. There's like there's no hiding. Like everybody knows she's a woman of the city. Um, well, from there, we begin to be introduced to the person who's hosting the party. And that is none other than Simon. Uh, continue, <clears throat> continue here with me in verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, have something to say to you. And he said, say it to me. Now, I, I, I want to do something here because most times in the gospel, especially in the gospel of Luke, there is this compare and contrast between Jesus and the Pharisee. Um, the Pharisees, as a group of people, wanted to do the right thing. They saw their ancestors and people um, fade away from God's law, and they said, we're going to make sure we, we follow his law faithfully, religiously, passionately. And they added some things to it, which they shouldn't have, and they added to it with good intentions. But then they judged everybody else on the basis of could they do and not do. And they, so they had this sense of the religious elite. Um, and so... Many of them were the antithesis of what Jesus was talking about because he's giving the Savior. However, Simon, I think, is interesting. I do think that he's invited Jesus in because he's interested, not just to test him. However, when this woman comes in and to the scene and he watches how Jesus interacts with this woman and allows this woman to put her hands on his feet and her hair and so forth, he, in his head, it says, oh, no. If this were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this is what she does, and he would never let him do that. Okay, he's making a judgment. 
Because what he's doing, the same way I did when I was in that subway in Brooklyn at 12 o'clock at night, he's looking at his context, his worldview, he understands her story, women like her, so to say, see the setting and going, if you're supposed to be a person like this, here's what the worldview was for the Pharisees, is godly people do not interact with non-godly people. And if this person's supposed to be godly, um, and yet he's interacting with this non-godly person, therefore he cannot be godly, he cannot be a prophet. Because he's looking at his worldview. And we can go, oh, he's just judging her. No, no, we are more like Simon. But let's be realistic. And this is not like a gotcha. No, this is realistic. I, I tried to think of some sort of examples to give us, but, like, I didn't want to say any of them from the stage because they're, like, the context here is, is wild, guys. Like, culturally, this is what this means. Culturally, this woman by vocation was a prostitute. Socially, she was one in which no woman wanted her man to ever be around. No man, especially a godly man, would have ever wanted to be caught seen with. And what this means religiously is that all of these men would have been Pharisees. She is religiously impure because of her actions, because of her vocation, because of her choices. And everybody knows it. So there's no way she could be there. And then if she walks into the room, she walks into the room, she goes straight to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't once go, oh, whoa, wait, wait, what are you doing? Jesus accepts it. And they're there sitting going, oh, my goodness. Chances are they're not even looking at her. Because she happens to be the type of woman that you close your eyes when she comes in the room because you don't want to be associated with someone like that. So, so, so you have this picture of one. Yeah, no wonder Simon's thinking like that. In fact, let's go this. In that day, in that culture, women did not let their hair down. Right? The only time you let your hair down when it was you and your man and, 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 the, and the privacy of your own home. Right? So... That would have been the equivalent, um, and what many commentators say, of, of, of a topless woman, right? Now, think about that. Don't imagine it. Think about that, okay? And so there, there is a particular scene that is happening here that makes Simon, by the way, in his head go, no way. Now, this is just interesting to me. Simon's like, I question if he's a prophet in his head. I question if he, I question in his head. And then Jesus, because he's a prophet, goes, hey, Simon, right? Like Simon's got the captions. I wonder, and Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I created the world. And that brain, by the way, that you're thinking of. And so you have, you have Jesus go, Simon, he looks at him, and he finally says his name. He goes, I have something for you. And he said to him, say it, teacher. I think he said it sarcastically. Oh, say it, teacher. And he moves into this story. Verse 41. A certain money lender who had two debtors, one owed him 500 denarii and another 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Which one of them will love him more? Okay, you got to understand, so Jesus is so intentional. He's doing a couple things here. He's going to tell a story to kind of get Simon to see who's actually judging. But he's also using a story that was very common in sense of the way in which they interacted with people. It was a very debt, guilt-driven culture. And so when he says, okay, imagine this. Somebody owes this guy, or someone owes this, let's say it's a woman. So someone owes this woman $500, and then someone owes her $50. And you know what? She does what nobody in that culture would have done. Because that culture was such, I need you to be in debt with me, we would know that. The fact that Jesus had been invited to this house, that meant now Jesus owed Simon something. And that's just the way it worked. One of the things we try to do in premarital counseling is when we sit down with the couples, we say, okay, um, there's going to come a moment here that you guys are becoming one and your families are not necessarily as one. And when it comes to certain holidays, especially if you don't live around the valley, like many of us don't have family here, is going, there's going to be holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas that your family's going to want you to be with them, but then your family's going to want to be with them. And sometimes 
what they may or may not do is meet you like this, it's time to get gifts. And there's such a thing as called strings attached. And so you got to be honest with them and say, hey, we'll accept this gift by all means. I don't turn down anything but my collar. And, um, but, but making sure that there doesn't mean that we have to be here for him. Now, if, if the Lord allows, there's a baby involved. Now we're talking grandbaby. That's when the stakes is, is higher, right? All the grandparents were like, get some illustration. Hurry up, right? And part of it is just going, you don't want to say, I accepted this and I'm indebted to you. Now, I don't think any of the grandparents at this church would ever do that. Um, but some people's grandparents do, <laughs> right? Jesus knows that's the kind of culture they're in. And this story would have been audacious to go, imagine a person who cancels his plans. Say you earn the plans. And he looks at Simon and goes, who do you, which one do you think would actually love the most? Verse 43, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom the cance- who he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you're correct, right? I think Jesus is trying to get to him. In this particular case, you're correct, right? In this form of the case, you're correct, right? Um, then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, our eyes are upon this woman. Because this is Jesus again. Imagine this is the woman, and then this is Simon, right? He's talking to Simon. Hey, let me tell you this. You're correct. And he goes, okay, you judge rightly in this case. Then he looks at the woman. Simon, talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? Jesus is doing something to this woman that she may have never received. There's a man of power in her life who's not wanting something from her that actually has everything to do with her. That she's actually being acknowledged in the presence of a room of men, not to give them anything, but in order that they may acknowledge the very thing that she had a birth and that is dignity and that is being seen. That Jesus is no longer relating to her as everybody else did as her sin, but relating to her ultimately as her savior. And so he's trying to get them to be able to see what he can see because the lens he has is not just her cultural context, not just her forbidden past or present or future, but that in which he has for her through the lens of his death and resurrection. That means the gospel, that's who he preaches. And so he says, Simon, do you see this woman, and there is something wildly powerful about being naked, right? In the most obscure, silly ways, and in intimate ways, right? Like one of the things my wife always asks me, why do you, every time you see somebody, you feel the need to text them or call them? Like, and I'm like, I, like if I see somebody riding their bike down the street, I'm like, oh, that, that's such and such. Let me call them. Hey, I just saw you riding your bike. You need anything? No, I'm good. I, I'll see you later, right? <laughs> And, and not because I'm, like, so godly. It's because, I don't know, I just feel like I should be like, hey, I saw, I saw you. <laughs> Big gulps, huh? <laughs> or, or think about it. Kids get it. Um, kids want to be noticed. And it's totally okay. Right? A little girl comes. She's got a, we said this before. A little girl comes. she got, you know, bomb dress on. Um, and she's like, daddy, look at my dress. And she turns around. Um, right? When we, when we think that adult people do it, we think they're narcissistic, selfish, and so forth. And maybe there's a little bit of that. But when a, when a little girl comes in and says, Daddy, look at me, look at my dress, the dad doesn't go, you little selfish, right? N- not at all, right? He goes, I see you, baby girl. I see that dress. And she's excited because she's noticed. And there's a sense that when you can lock eyes with somebody, 
just for who they are. They're just artists. This is called an artist. She's like, kind of like Kuna. And they had this um, display at, um, at the New York Museum. And they're all over the world, but here. And she would just sit. Her whole part was sitting and allowing space to slow down. And they would just look at each other. And in looking at each other's eyes and slowing down, as things begin to break, first person here thinks of a man who was sitting for nine minutes and what was able to happen. Even in five minutes, and even as fast as two minutes, people begin to be undone. And part of love truly comes from being able to be vulnerable and to allow people to see you as you are and love you as you are. And that's the whole heart of the gospel. Jesus, Christ has come to transform you. And crazy thing about it is what he's about to do is his compassion and his affection is towards the woman, and yet the message and the lesson is towards Simon. Look, look, look what Jesus says. You see this woman, verse 44, I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her tears. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, and he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Look, look, look here, what he, Simon thinks, I've done nothing wrong here. I've invited you to my house. I fed you my food. But he actually has done a lot of things wrong. He just says she has forgiven. I mean, that day and that culture, when it comes to hospitality, when a person, especially the, uh, the, like the esteemed guest, which is Jesus, when they came in, you got a bowl of water and you allowed them to either wash their feet or let them wash their feet. That, that, was, that, was like, that was a no-brainer. Someone comes to your house, hey, do you want something to drink? Right? Wash your feet. The second thing is you would have kissed that person. And that person would have been greeted with a kiss. Um, another thing is that you would have anointed the head of that person with oil. And he says, okay, you're saying she's got the issues because she's a woman of the city and that you know things and that yet when I came in, nothing for my feet, she comes in. Broken over her own sin and joyful worship, she weeps. She wets my feet and cleans it with her hair. Whatever she has, she gives it. Um, you gave me no, no, no kiss. She's been kissing the dirtiest part of my body because she can care less because there's worship happening here. Um, you, you, by the way, didn't give me any anointed oil for my head, and she's taken the most expensive thing she has, and she's anointed my feet. You see, she gets her issue. She sees it wide and clear, and therefore she's forgiven much because she sinned much. Therefore, she loves much. But see, people like you who don't actually see your sin, you think what you need at best is behavior modification. And so if you've been forgiven little, guess what? You are going to love little. And so that means people don't want to acknowledge their own sin and their own brokenness are the people who are most likely to be the most judgmental and the less likely to love the most. So we got to find ourselves realizing Jesus is actually displaying love to both people. The woman is actually getting his tender and his affectionate love, grace, forgiveness, and so forth. 
time is actually getting love as well. And if that has been exposing his sin, then we may also realize that we have a need for a savior. As of right now, Simon thinks it's a good deal because he wants Jesus to be invited into his home. Yet this woman is absolutely desiring for Jesus to be invited into her home. You see, this, this woman, she, she's not looking for Jesus to only be a teacher. She's looking for Jesus to be a savior. Right? Where in Simon's case, he thought he needed just a little bit of correction because he's pretty good. In her case, she didn't need correction. In your case, my case, we don't need correction. We need love. And that only happens through the saving grace, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it's not that Simon needs to go sin in the ways that this woman has sinned to be able to understand he's a sinner. All Simon has to do is be able to acknowledge that his self-righteousness is equally as sinful as this woman's um, promiscuity. Right? And by the way, Jesus can see this woman and can see through the issues and, and the way to be able to bring her to healing. Here, here's what I mean. Um, we, we had a gal that used to go to this church that needs to hear it, Christy Hickle. She was amazing. Still is amazing. And she was doing her PhD work primarily around human sex trafficking. I learned so much from Christy, a lot of things. But here's what I hear, is that how these women, they're not choosing it. Like one of the worst things in our culture when it comes to prostitution was pretty woman. Because it made it seem like, oh, just kind of get in, get out, whatever you want, no big deal, right? And it's like, eh, not that comfortable. Chances are this woman in this story that doesn't have a name, she didn't have an identification with a man. We talked about this before. That means she didn't have much. And one of the very few vocations she could choose would have been this, if it had been a choice. Or she did have a man in her life, and that man decided to abuse her in such a way to put her out here to do this particular job. Now, there's a greater man, the truest man, who actually comes in the world and says, no, 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 we're going to break your bondage and chains of that and forgive you of your sin and then give you your life. Because Jesus is not only here just to forgive us of our sins, but that we may be restored into this imago Dei, the image created after Christ. And that, that in itself, that in itself is that you may be in, involved with and seen as someone who's a part of the community of God. As he's looking at this woman and talking to these men, he's trying to get them to see her the way he sees her through the lens of the gospel. And then through her, throughout centuries, for us to be able to look at the same people in the way that she does. To be able to look at ourselves in the way that she does, through the lens of the gospel. For some of us, we find ourselves on one side or the other. We find ourselves ridden with the guilt of our sin that we're going, I wish I would have never done that. Jesus is saying to you, turn with your life, place your faith in Christ, that he has saved you, and you are loved by him. And then there's a people over here that said, I've never done those things, and yet you are rooted in your self-righteousness. And if we can see that as well, that we have the offer in Christ too, that those who have sinned by him may be forgiven by him, but also loved by him, that in Jesus and in the power of Christ, that we may be able to be forgiven. Amen? Like, if you see what's happening here, it's very similar to all the other stories, but a little bit Jesus' way, is that the person who is claimed to be by others can't see has truly seen any vision in him. <laughs> and the people who think they can see are blind. The person that says, I've not even been able to get things right is actually in Christ being made right. And the person who's saying in their own religious ways, I've been doing what's right, they've actually not even done anything that actually is saving. And so as she's moving closer to Jesus, it seems like Simon and the crew is getting away from Jesus. It is exactly the way Jesus and the gospel operate. The kingdom is totally upside down. It's like you want to get to the top, you better get on your knees and start at the bottom. And if you want to make a way forward to the front, you better start your happy butt in the back. 
Like that, that is the way the gospel works. And it, Jesus leans in in a way that he brings about the transformation that happens in his life, his death, his resurrection, and hear me on this, and his community. That the way that this woman is restored is one, not only does Jesus forgive her, but he looks at her and he welcomes her back in. He hears her. She's felt by him. Right? Like that, like that is powerful. There, there, there's a psychiatrist who many of us here like and is an author, and he says this about this transformative work. He says, transformation requires a collaborative interaction with one person empathetically listening and responding to the other so that the speaker has the experience that happened the first time in Christ by another. We don't love in isolation, and we don't receive love in isolation. When we receive the love of Christ, we reciprocate that love with others. Just slowing down, listening, responding in order that they and we may be felt. Amen? Jesus has called us to a life of love that resembles his love. What we see here is first that God always delivers his kingdom. It starts first with the king and then action. And there's a moment of action. And the only way that we do it in the way that Christ did is to be able to receive that love that he offers us, acknowledge our sin, need of a savior receive his his forgiveness receive his grace the same thing he said to you and i his faith his faith has made you well therefore so may we by faith the work of christ collectively people live in love you guys can come back to the 6 p.m uh and uh pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you give us. I, we are absolutely amazed that you would be that good to us. Be that good to us. Father, you were that good as you see you through your son. You were that good as you've given us your spirit that we may experience that love. I pray that you would call us and lead us to repentance from our self-righteousness. Help us to receive your care and love forgiveness of the guilt of our own sin and our past sin. God, help us to acknowledge people as who they are, created in your image. Give us a wildly different worldview that is rooted in the person of Christ, that is established in his love, and that is experienced through the power of his spirit, as your kingdom is here, actively moving and breaking into our lives, the lives of our friends. Lord, may we metaphorically, in love of Christ, wash the feet of the people in our lives, so we love them in the way that you've loved us. Help us to love each other in the way that you've loved us. Help us to do it in the context of one another's communities that we may be transformed for the life and love of Christ. Father, we thank you and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Give you an opportunity to respond to the love of Christ. Um, before we do that, and one of the guys will lead us in this time of response, take this moment and ask the Spirit to reveal to you which items of faith or confession of faith is truly resting in and the guilt of sin that we have each and every day that we really need to receive the grace of God and or do you find yourself resting in the things in which you've done good as opposed to what Christ has done in your life? Is there any else of us that you may be able to confess that you know that all of us may need uh, in the person of Christ and we seek to be filled with his grace? So take this moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And again, just in a moment, one of the guys will lead us in this time.